Hey, y'all, it's Noxie. Thanks for listening to the Detailed Solutions Podcast. And now, a little bit more about one of our sponsors. Alex, have you heard about the pain assassins on Facebook? No, Noxie, what's that? I'm glad you asked, you wrinkled little booby. Pain Assassins was started by a dude named Jason Bruno to where detailers can find the camaraderie that they're looking for without any of the negative trolling bullshit like other Facebook groups. Not only that, but they can compete with their work weekly, monthly, or yearly to win prizes. Oh, dude, and they make sick merchandise, so you always have fresh gear to wear. Whoa. <sighs> anyway, y'all want to check it out? Again, it's Pain Assassins on Facebook or Instagram. Check it out. Welcome to the Detail Solutions Podcast. My name is Alex. Unfortunately, Bruno is not feeling very well, so he is not with me tonight for this episode of What's On Your Mind. Uh, so tonight I've got two huge, I mean, we keep getting bigger and bigger, right, guys? We're huge names in, in the detailing industry um, with Todd and David. So I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves, um, whoever wants to go first. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> You win. My name is David Fermine. Uh, I've been detailing since 1990. Um, when I opened up my first detail shop, doing high volume detailing. Uh, that was in Michigan, Metro Detroit, Michigan. Uh, after I sold my shop, I moved down to South Florida where I met Todd. We became very good competing frenemies <laughs> at first. <laughs> That's a whole nother story in itself. And uh, get into for sure. We, we continued to this day to work together on huge projects because Todd is such a huge asset to what I do and what he can help me with. Right now, I'm back in Michigan. Um, I had a high volume detail shop that I sold in September, so I could work full time for a very large Porsche collector. It's probably the largest collector of Porsches in the world. Has nice. probably the most expensive nicest collection of Porsches Isn't in the world. Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> no, it's not, but beyond that. <laughs> it's a different class, more streetcars, not right. instead of race cars. Gotcha. And um, it's a full-time you know, responsibility now to take care of his cars and making sure they're they're all perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. And Todd helps me greatly with that. So Nice. He likes it. This is a... Uh... I guess this is my time to talk about myself. Yeah. Um, my name is Todd Helm, and I work for Rupus USA. I was, or at least currently am, the oldest uh, tenured, longest tenured employee with Rupus uh, in the United States, and, and um, really exciting to see the growth of, of that company. Uh, we do more in a week or two than we did my first calendar year. So, uh, you know, and, and as people know, we have a factory in the U.S. And, and we're building tools in the U.S. And although I can't say too much and I'll get in trouble, uh, <laughs> we're just getting started uh, of what we're going to do in the U.S. So there's awesome. some, some big news coming soon. But uh, every month we're breaking records and growing. So with that being said, um, my background in detailing is uh, kind of, it, it's not so impressive. You know, I, I started detailing my own car. Well, actually, prior to that, I, I detailed cars in, uh, for a body shop in high school. And then my friend, uh, his brother owned a used car dealership, and I, I worked on a few of those cars. And I would be scared to see what they really looked like. Um, we actually used to use uh, 
3M pink filling glaze on a wool pad. Yeah. If it was black, we would then foam pad it afterwards. Yep. And we were told by the lead painter and, uh, you know, polish until you can see the whites of your eye, like Paul <laughs> Revere, you know what I mean? Riding, uh, riding the revolution. Right, right. So uh, that, that's kind of my background. Got a car, didn't know really how to polish. It was a black car and went online and started this voyage when I was in college. So uh, early on, I, I uh, discovered internet detailing and it's a whole different animal. It kind of right. the, the way Dave and I met actually was uh, we were kind of, we, not kind of, we were competitors <laughs> on uh, the internet. He moved to South Florida. I live in Orlando, but a lot of my client base was in South Florida. And now this guy with a terrible avatar of a skull uh, <laughs> on a detailing form, that avatar right there yep. uh, was, uh, you know, nipping at my heels and I couldn't understand what his problem was. And through a long story, we became friends and and he's one of my very best friends and one of the few guys i detail cars with now so nice. um i don't detail a lot obviously my passion is in uh with rupus and and right. i really have always even when i detailed i always helped and uh, or enjoyed helping people which actually got me in trouble with some of the the more uh uh famous detailers who used <laughs> to get angry because we would share our processes like we were taking away some <laughs> magical secrets and right. uh but i've always thought of myself as more of an educator than a detailer which is why prior to this conversation it was funny for for me to hear david say that he credits me with kind of putting art and detailing because for me i always thought i was more of an educator than an artist but it's it's nice. really uh it's it's very humbling to hear those words from somebody who i respect so much for sure that's cool well, so the what's on my mind for this episode is is exactly <clears throat> what Todd just said, the art of detailing. Um, and for everybody who listened to the episode the other night with Barry Thiel, um, he mentioned the fact that he kind of thinks that the art of detailing is is kind of dying with everybody being ceramic coating specialists and and we're just not getting into that level. So it got me thinking, and that's why. I had these two gentlemen come on because these guys are artists. I mean, with what they do, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. Um, and not just so much in, in the actual detailing of it, um, but in the write-ups, right? Like Todd is well known for his write-ups um, through all the forums. We talked with Brian Guy in the past about write-ups and, and it's, it was different right when you guys are doing that type of stuff versus today with Facebook and it's just like you know and I'm guilty of it you know throw up a cool sunshot walk around video you know a couple of cool glossy pictures and you're like this is what I did today kind of deal whereas you guys wrote novels you know <laughs> like breakdown and and kind of the crazy things you did so my opinion to you guys is what do you guys think? I mean, is, is the art of detailing being lost? Is it, is it kind of, you know, your generation is the last ones who are kind of doing it and not a lot of new people are coming in or are there new people coming in that maybe I'm just not catching? Well, people I think are lazy now. Right. I think it's easy just to do a new car prep, right. do a one step and ceramic coat it and then sell the customer every six months on a tapper. I think it's detailers now don't even do interiors. Yeah. I, I it's speechless. They're not well-rounded. Um, I, again, will say they're lazy and Hey, they're going after the money and more power to them in that respect. Right. Right. They've lost the skills or they've never been attracted to the real skills. Right. Well, we, we started and climbed up the ranks. Well, no, I, I got you. I have a completely different perspective. Okay. Um, David's background, it, it, you'll have to apologize. I'll have to apologize. David knows me really well, but I, I go in tangents when I speak. And then if I'm lucky, I come back full yeah, circle. Yeah. So, so hang on. <laughs> um, I hope I get there, um, especially after a few glasses of wine tonight, which are well-deserved by the way. Um, but uh, 
David came from a production background. Right. And I didn't. I mean, I did it for the body shops and I did it for the car dealer that my my friend's brother owned. But I didn't come from that background, right? So I kind of jumped into it and leapfrogged and uh, was able to use kind of my engineering uh, thought process to figure out some things that I, maybe I didn't have to kind of cut my teeth as well. But if you ask me, the real art form and detailing is in the production world. Uh, the, 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 the ability to do phenomenal work quickly uh, under pressure is, is by far the hardest environment. Me sitting in some guy's air conditioned garage, polishing a car for four days was, was not art form. The art form was in the, the marketing. Right. Uh, the art form was selling the sizzle, you know, getting maximum dollar. Uh, Dave and I were making more than these coding guys were per car before there were even coatings. Yeah. And, and not that it wasn't deserved because we, we were literally chasing perfection without the tools that we have nowadays that make perfection much easier to obtain for anybody. So there was a, a high level of craftsmanship. But to me, the art was in the marketing. And uh, I don't know if I agree that, you know, I know, uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree that detailing was an art form as much as the persona. I, I never viewed myself as a detailer. Uh, I viewed myself as an educator, but what I delivered to my customers was an experience. Detailers. The entry-level coding game started in 2016 with Anyo Ceramic Coding. With its unique single-layer composite technology, Anyo allowed detailers to achieve greater levels of success faster. But in 2021, Anyo, along with YWAX and CC105, received a facelift. Now, under the HyperClean Ceramics line, YWAX's Uno, Anyo has become Dos, and CC105 is now Trace. Being a one-year, two-year, or three-year single-layer, that's right, detailers, single-layer ceramic coating. Pick yours up at the Detail Supply app, and if you mention Detail 15, you will save 15% off your purchase. So go to the Detail Supply app and pick up Uno, Dos, Trace, and use the code DETAIL15 to save 15% of your total package now with coatings and things like that i don't think you have to um furthermore uh the new tools of which i am i'm guilty of have allowed the point of entry to dip really low right. uh, you with minimal training can do really good results where when david and i and and, and our generation as you put it uh, i'm not that old but, uh, <laughs> but, but we have very said too. Very no, like, but, not that old, but no, it's, he, he is, he right. is. And, <laughs> that and he generation, of, that generation of detailing is, is what I, what I kind of mean. No, right? I know, I know yeah, I'm teasing, yeah, but, but there yeah. were a lot of guys and there were right. some detailers. There yeah. was some super talent and we all did battle for likes, views, reputation, whatever it was in this very congested form and iron sharpens iron and right. we were critical i was more worried about impressing the guys on autopia.org and i was more worried about what they would find wrong with my work than i was with my customer who was blown away because i you know put a buffer on his ferrari and managed gonna, not to burn it i'm gonna cut you off right there because i'm glad you said that because that's one of the things i i struggle with with not only not only as somebody who is looking up to a lot of people in this industry, but also as somebody that, that recently has had people contacting me, right. For, for, you know, to be able to ask questions and, Hey man, I need your help. You know, and, I, and I'm, and I'm always kind of the opposite of what you just said. It's like, you know, screw the other detailers. Your client is your thing. Right. But on the flip side of it, what you just said I do kind of believe because when I post stuff on Facebook, um, it, it is for that pat on the back, right? Because other detailers are going to know what it, what I did to do that, what it took to do that. The client does it. The client's going to be blown away 
But to blow away another detailer, I think falls right on what you said about the iron sharpening iron. Yeah, but but there's more to it, right? So right. so let me circle back a little bit, right? I said where David's background in, in production detailing actually is why he's one of the best detailers I've ever worked with. And, and, and you know what, for my opinion, personally, David's a much better detailer than I am. Um, it, 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 honestly, and, and so are a lot of these guys I've worked with. I've worked with Nick Chapman. You want to talk about a, a psychopath or Eddie Fusa or, and, and I know I'm leaving a million people out and I, I, just because I haven't had the opportunity. That's all. Right. And David is the cream of the crop, but I'll tell you what, I thought I did interiors really well. I did interiors that went to Pebble Beach in one. I thought I did interior, you know, I, and then I met David <laughs> and you no, know, it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. And I was so fortunate to work with guys who sharpened me personally. Um, David, and when I say one of the very best, I say that just because I, I, I play this game. I don't want to offend people or upset right. them. But I've done work side by side with David, you know, and he's one of the very few people on this planet that if I was having somebody detail my car. He's the guy. Or, oh, yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. But, but that, you know. David's blushing over there. Oh, he, it's like a whole podcast about me. But, you know, and, and David kind of mentioned that, you know, we still work together and, and, and that's true. And I'm honored every single time. And every single time I'm with him, I get pissed off. <laughs> because I'm not good enough. It's true. He knows it. He's laughing. He knows right. it's true. Because this guy will take a freaking light and he's removing, uh, you know, uh, what's the coating? What's that thick crap they put underneath all those damn cars? Oh, uh, Cosmoline. Cosmoline. Okay. And, and he's okay. removing it from spots that you have to have like a dentist's mirror to see <laughs> to get to and he's right. like bro seriously come on man step it up you know and it's yeah. like oh no i'm not good enough for david <laughs> um put a polisher in my hand and i can hold my own for sure right but, right but, uh but david david's an amazingly talented uh guy so so when we get back to the the, the art form thing <sighs> media's changed when we were writing novels and that was one of my backgrounds was creative writing. And, and I took that in college. And uh, I also used to read every car magazine in the world. And I always loved that stuff, that world. Right. You know, that was my dream. So it was just like an outlet. And people's attention span was a lot longer. You know, now yeah. people want to get everything they can in a two and a half minute YouTube video clip. Check out Rupus Replies and uh, on Rupus uh, or YouTube slash Rupus. But that's what people want. Right. Digest it in two and a half minutes and go on with their life. So I think more of that's changed in the quality of work. Um, do I think that a lot of the detailers now are as talented as detailers back then? No, they don't have to be. Um, right. The marketing's the, easier. The, well, the, and the, the tools and the, and the products have made, made it easier to do things course, now than, than before. You know, you don't, you can get the same, the same outcome with a DA machine and a foam pad versus before you needed a rotary and a wool pad and cranking. David, know, did, did you ever, did you ever have nightmares when you were taking cars all the way that you were going to burn through the paint? I used to, I used to literally have nightmares about it. It used to scare me. You know, I put a spot on a car. I'm like, oh crap! I've burned this here before. I better watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're burning one area on these cars, and it's a two, three, four hundred thousand dollar mistake, loss right. of value, stripping the whole car down. You know, an yeah. excuse that hey, why isn't this car measuring like it should from the factory? You're dealing with factory single stage paint, original stuff that you just can't duplicate anymore, no matter how good of a painter you take the car to. Right, so real critical that you're you're shaving every little defect down rather than just mowing them down it was uh i can remember um having nightmares about making cars perfect and then you would destroy yourself and the customer would wash the damn car with a yeah <laughs> a dirty shop towel and you think and look what todd Helm did to my car it looks so great doesn't it Right, right. Uh, and, you know and that's one of the other things that i hear a lot of detailers say too you know like why spend all that time destroying your body for something that you know the client's going to turn around and run through the car wash you know not necessarily on the cars you guys are doing but 
you know, even even on the the the, the new car prep, like why am I going to spend two or three days doing a full three-step, you know, or multi-step, you know, whatever correction job and coding and, you know, they're going to go destroy it when realistically the client isn't going to see the defects from 75% on. So I'm going to hit it with a single step, one step, you know, whatever. And people are trying to pacify their own egos a lot of times. Right. You know, the whole, thing of i'm putting my name on this the paint has to be perfect before i ceramic coat it blah 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 you know but then the customer doesn't realize what you're doing to that car so it's irrelevant right Um, or is it going to maintain it to that level anyway so it's it's really you're doing a disjustice uh, an injustice to to that car and that customer um so it's it's really knowing your client and and really having an understanding what their expectations are and getting from point A to point B at the best rate you can. Right. Would you say, David, that the uh, art of detailing has been lost? No, it was never found. You're the you're the Michelangelo of the art of detailing. No, stop you're not on the forums anymore. That's why it's lost. Uh, There's no other artist in the detailing world. You know, well, there was a part of that too. You know, um, I had a few people that I admired coming up. One of them was Mike Phillips and who I really just admired because he could take to, at least to a beginner, something that was seemingly very complex and explain it simply. And I I think that's just the art of a good teacher. We're going to throw that term around. So I looked at to him and I knew, you know what, I wanted to use my details as an opportunity to educate people. And then there were a couple of guys, and I can't remember one of his names, but he was the first guy doing the halogen light before and after. Do you remember who I'm talking about, David? Um, Eric, right? I may, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But he was doing the halogen lights, and, and Ryan Blanchett was another one of those guys back in the day, Rye Dog. And I thought, you know, if I could combine that and that, and then I worked with a guy named Brian Bryce and, and Brian was actually responsible for us increasing the money. We went down to South Florida and did this Lamborghini for like $300. And he said, dude, are you serious? You can get a thousand for this. And I thought you're crazy, man. This wow. is about 2009 or so. Another eight. There's no way some guy's going to pay a grand to have his car polished. He's like, that's a $300,000 car that guy will pay a grand every single day. And it took us a while to, to get to that, but a couple months, but at, cause it, and it was just courage, you know, right, guy would right. say, Hey, how much do my car? Uh, seven fifty, you know? Yeah. And then, oh, okay. You know? And then eventually I remember we were doing a black, uh, dark blue Porsche and he, Brian's like 1100 bucks. And the guy's like, yeah, I figured it'd be about that much. I remember I almost, I started coughing. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, fast forward two years, from then and david fermani and i were working together and charged and david correct me please for accuracy was that three grand is yeah, that what you're yeah, trying to uh, claim yeah, for a one step i'm talking about the maybach was oh <laughs> the maybach that was 1400 wasn't it about 1400 we literally washed it did a one-step polish on it polished out the uh wood on the inside didn't even do anything else besides that and i think we walked away with 1400 bucks and it was between the two of us probably six labor hours maybe seven wow yeah so we were really accelerating this idea of how much detailers could get paid but the foundation was as i was you know doing this with brian bryce i kind of had this vision that i wasn't selling detailing we were selling the experience we were selling uh, yeah. And I still believe that to this day. I, and you're right. Cause I've heard, in fact, I, I don't remember, but we've had on the, the podcast enough people, but I've had people say that before, right? Like you're not you're, just what you're saying. You're not selling the detail. You're selling the experience, you, you know, and, and that's the way to do it. Well, it has to be, if that's your market, because detailing is not necessary. I mean, right. I know we like to, I, I used to remember, coming up with a lot of the guys that were like, oh, you need to protect your interior from stains. And do you know that one hour in the sun is going to give you wrinkles? You know, it's yeah. Okay. I understand that fear-based selling. Right. But 
come on. I, 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 my truck, although I test products on it, could sit outside for 10 years. And if I didn't wash it, it would actually be quite good. Right. When I finally did wash it, it wouldn't be too scratched right. or swirled. Well, most, most paint, I, I had a, a body guy tell me one time, most paint is warrantied for five years with nothing. From the factory. Right, right. Without, yeah. yeah, without putting anything on it. So Yeah, and then... You, you, a lot of these new paints are a lot of them, not always, but generally if they don't last five years, the, the manufacturer will do recall on them anyways. Right. Exactly. So we're not selling a necessity, although paint coatings certainly give that, that marketing potential to people. What we're selling is, is the sizzle, the experience, uh, the pride of ownership. And right. that was always my focus. And, and look at what David does now. David works for a very private Porsche collector but in that world, he's really well known. And, and some of the cars that I've been lucky enough to put a polisher on because of David um, are, are, I mean, we're talking one of ones worth however many zeros I can't count. Right. And that guy wants the experience. That gentleman deserves the experience as far as he's concerned. And I, I think so. And, and I know how much David makes and I won't, I haven't had enough wine. <laughs> but, but but I'll tell you right now that the highest paid detailer I know is David Fermani by a, an extraordinary mile. And that owner of that collection rightfully is very, very honored to have David work on right. those cars. So that's, awesome. that's the art of detailing. Yeah. As far as, so, so at least with David still slinging a buffer, it ain't dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Scraping off Cosmoline. Yeah. No, because, you know, when I say, when I say, you know, when I say that, you know, I guess the way that I'm looking at it is, you know, looking at, you don't, you don't see a lot of people anymore talking about doing, you know, Pebble Beach cars, you know, or all these high end type stuff. Sure. And again, I don't know if it's, again, it's a different level of detailer that's just not, you know, bothered with being on, being on Facebook pages anymore because maybe they're, they were used to the forums and now the forums are kind of, you know, not as popular. So they're not into the Facebook thing. I don't know if it's just one of those things that maybe it's not, mm. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not as big anymore because it is right. I mean, well, those no, cars, but, but, but think of the profit margin, right? Codings have eliminated the need to go to Pebble Beach. And there's guys like Scott Nichols out there who are just doing the most expensive cars to the highest level and, and is somewhat public about it. Um, I know we don't get to see all the cars he does. Right. So that exists. And, and, and so on that level, sure, there, there are people who do that. But I think a lot of those guys aren't. And I think those guys existed before. When I was known as a really high-end detailer, Eddie Fusa was out there detailing cars, but he wasn't going to go on the internet. Right. Um, so those guys exist, but they're not really in it for the IG fame. They're not gotcha. trying to be Insta-famous. Um, David doesn't post one one hundred millionth of the cars he does, and I I know what he does. And I can post a mirror or a yeah, wheel right. on the underside of a car if I don't show the color of it. Right, right, right. He's very secretive about what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of those guys have to be, you know, when I was when I was kind of famous, I uh, famous in that world, <laughs> I, I was uh, listening to me. But uh, I didn't post one. No, I, I posted more than one tenth of the cars I did for sure. Right, but right. there was probably I got in trouble for posting cars I wasn't supposed to. Uh, in fact, kind of a, a lot of trouble at one point. Um, so I do, I, I think, I think there's still artists out there if that's what we wanted to find them as. But again, for me, I think, uh, yeah. now, now you can make the profit without having to deal with that. And why, right. why have that, those nightmares? That's kind of the other thing, right? So, so talking about Eddie, right? Like he's, he's been posting a little bit lately of, of the, uh, I think he's working on a piece stuff. um, you know, where like he had an upholstery guy come and pull the door panels so he could, um polish the carbon fiber pieces on the inside and then you know it's good yeah, we, uh, we, yeah, we pull them ourselves <laughs> right you know so we have the luxury of having people take cars right, apart for right. you know i've seen them i saw them i think it was uh 
Oh man, I don't know. I think a 360. Um, like he pulled the, the side skirts off to be able to like polish the underside, you know, like the part you would again, like like Todd said, you would never see without a without a dentist, you know, a mirror or whatever. But is there so is there profitability in that? And and I mean, I guess there would have to be, right? Because the jobs are getting done, but I guess the way that I see it is like the Ferrari guys that I deal with, the Lamborghini guys that I deal with, they're not shelling out that, that kind of money. Right. Like, in fact, when I tell them what my coding price is, they're almost kind of like, Oh, well, you know, can you do any better? And I'm like, dude, it's a $300,000 car. I'm not even, I'm not even charging you like, you know, a, a 1%. But, of- but there's more to that too. Right. So, so when we, when David and I were cutting our teeth, because the skill level required to work on those cars was higher. Right. Um, I, I actually have a very fond memory of David calling out a particular South Florida detailer for doing uh, fake work and then posting pictures of cars parked on Biscayne Avenue. Uh, I won't go into names, but uh, there were a lot of fakers out there for sure. And, right. But there wasn't as much competition either. You know, that that's the downside if you're a detailer nowadays is finding where you belong because right. everybody's chasing that insta-famous Ferrari. And one thing I'll say hesitantly is a lot of these guys are working on cars they have no business working on. And that that is something I do see. You should yeah. not be going on a Facebook page talking about the Enzo or the La Ferrari you're about to polish and then asking questions that you should have figured out on a minivan. Right. Um, and that, and I only say that slightly facetiously because, because here's the problem. You, you screw that car up and you ruin it for everybody else. Um, Absolutely. So- I mean, that's the one thing about those cars that, that worries me, right? I mean, like, I feel like I can do a lot. I've seen you working, really, you shouldn't touch those. Yeah, I, exactly. No, I'm that's, that's, why, that's why I'm so scared of touching them. No, but, I'm kidding. Man. Come on. No, but no, but no, but in all seriously, like, like that would be a car that that I mean, I would be honored to have the experience to do, but it would be something that that I would probably have to book out a month in advance and do any kind of research that I need. You're to do. honored but, about the first two you do, and then they just become a car. <laughs> Right, exactly. And that's and that's and that's kind of how I've that's how I've become with the couple of Ferraris and Lamborghinis and whatever that I have done, right? Like just difficult. Right. Like now I would rather have the easy Honda Accord that's gonna pay the same amount of money for a coding job than than the Ferrari with all these weird little scoops and inlets and you know machine it's a pain in the ass, you know? But, but this is this is a perfect example. I kind of said earlier, and, and I should retract a little bit what I said. David is the best paid detailer I know. Now, I know guys that run businesses with 20 employees that are right. making more than all of us, for sure. But I'm saying personal detailer. But the reason David is paid that much, and some of the artists out there, I, I don't want to uh, guess people's salaries. I know some guys that are just super well paid. Right. Is because of the confidence. Because they approach that car... David knows more about 1980 up in 1980 and up Porsches than anybody I've ever met. Now there's obviously guys that collect them that know more because they could say, Oh, VIN number 3.44 is yeah. yellow or something. Right. I mean, obviously, but, but when it comes to actually hands-on cosmetic detailing and reconditioning, David's the most knowledgeable guy. I know. So, so he's earned that place. And, and so some of these other guys have, because they have experience in that world. But I can also install a coding and make 800 bucks profit just on the coding. So do I want to go down the path of starting as a production detailer like David did, sharpening my tools on the uh, on some of the most expensive and crazy cars and, and, and learning everything there is about them? Or can I just become Insta famous, grab a dual action polisher, throw on a coding and make almost as much? And, and I right. think that that's the path of least resistance. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and uh, certainly tools like Rupus have facilitated that, but there is still a market for the artist. If I got back into detailing full-time, I wouldn't want to be one of those guys. I, I would, I spend my entire time helping people be more profitable by introducing them to tools and systems that are 
frankly, more profitable. Right. Um, that's why Rupus is so successful. And that's, that's, I would rather use that knowledge to, to, to make a living and not have the nightmares and heart palpitations that right. David deals with well, on a daily basis. I remember one of the stories that you told me when we first met oh, yeah? at the car wash that you had a, uh, I think it was a Bugatti sitting at your house for like a month because every day you a Ferrari. Op- a, a Ferrari. Ferrari. Okay. Yeah. Cause you said every day you opened up the garage door and was like, mm, not today and closed it. And went back and did something else. I won't give last names, but that's a guy, uh, Piero that, that um david knows really well and it was actually way more than a month it was about six months okay yeah this was right when the uh economic downturn of 2008 happened and he was a big customer of mine he's a he's a really good guy or he's always been a good guy to me anyways right and uh he uh he brought one of his cars up and i was detailing it was a ferrari 360 six-speed spider and then he went through divorce i think from what i remember and hid the car at my house and it had dealer plates on him. I told, I, I drove my son to school in it. You know, I mean, he knew I, I would never, yeah. but I was going to go on a vacation in New York city with my son and, and my, uh, his mom, my wife at the time. And I thought I'm not leaving for two weeks with this car in my garage. You know, this right. was back when the 360 was still a, a newer model, the 430 ounce. Right. So this was not a 15 year old, hundred thousand dollar Ferrari. It was, it was a spider. So they were still going for about 200 and something. Right. Yeah, it was a heart attack. And I used to have like, I used to think, what if my garage door just collapses and the the ceiling comes down and smashes it or, (laughs) you know, like just weird thoughts. You go to bed at night and you're like, well, let me park my truck in front of the garage door or something like that, you know? Right, right. um, uh, David, what's the most expensive car you screwed up? Screwed up. Yeah, screwed up. But not I burned an edge. What did you hammer out, man? Tell us. Oh, I can't tell you the car, but it's a multi-million dollar car. Okay. Burned an edge on a roof. Was it a required the whole car to get painted? Because it all kind of tied in with each other. Um it was a yellow car. So you couldn't just spot it in. Really spot yeah, it's a tough color to match. Yeah. And um hang on one second. And it was you know, it was understandable because the roof had been spotted in on the pillars. Three of the four pillars had been spotted in before. So I burned a spot, a spot in. And I actually did the uh, the owner a favor because when I told him I burned it, he's like, good. I wanted to paint this car. <laughs> so he ended up painting it. It was a, a year restoration. And yeah, I think every time I, I do another 9-11 and I get to that roof, like I was saying, that part of the roof, I'm, I'm always very careful. <laughs> and I, you know, inspection is, is key with these cars. Right. Um, but you know what the biggest tool to earn the most amount of money in this business is? What's that? Sales tool. Okay. Learning how and knowing how to sell. Absolutely, man. That's the art. You the lousy right. detailer. But if you learn basic sales, I sold cars for two years. It taught right. me more than owning a business for 10 if you learn how to sell the rest is history right so i think more detailers should take basic sales classes to increase their profits they're leaving money on the table if they don't right well that's good you know if if you think a thousand is fair charge 2500 raise your prices everybody is charging too little they're yeah. fighting their way to the bottom. They need to increase constantly. See, that kind of goes into, we did another episode where we asked, is the um, the high dollar coding at, at, at its peak? Is it going to start coming down now? Because you do see a lot more. Dilution. Um, right. You see, a, you see a lot more guys that, you know, aren't doing the 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 crazy two thousand dollar eighteen hundred dollar ceramics anymore they're doing a, a more affordable twelve hundred dollar fourteen hundred dollar um, a lot of companies are now doing single layer coatings versus two layers or three layers which is making it easier to do quicker to do you can charge you know you can you can come down and be more affordable because you're not putting in as much labor hours 
So it's interesting that you say you need the to low ballers are killing the industry right. and us or most of us as uneducated, unwilling to know how to sell detailers have no, have no fight in the game to take back that market share and raise our prices. We're right. always competing with the low price guy. Right. We need to set the market, not be reactive towards it. A uh, rising tide raises all ships, right? So right. it's it's one of those things where detailing is a unique market, uh, or at least it used to be, uh, because one of the common threads that kind of strung everybody together was this passion for detailing. And what we've seen now is it's more about a desire to maximize profitability or, or, or undercut and, and gain customers. And then what do we end up with plumbing? You know, there's no plumbing classes where people get together and talk about the best cement. Right. Uh, and, and, it, and then it becomes, well, who do you hire? The guy with the cheapest price or whatever, right? Anybody can cement together PVC. Maybe it's a terrible analogy, but, um, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, I hope yeah. That, yeah. That, that it used to be like David and I, even when we were competitors, uh, long before we were taking baths together in a customer's pool using Meguiar's gold class as <laughs> shampoo so we could go out in his Ferrari at night, which is a great story to tell, by the way. I've literally just told about half of it. Uh, <laughs> and that, <laughs> you remember that, right? You gotta tell that story now, I, I teed it up. You could, I, I want to hear you tell it. I've told it a hundred times. But, but anyways... Um, what, what we need to do as an industry is come together and, and focus on raising our prices. We'll never right. be taken seriously if a guy is willing to do the job you do for one third of the price. Right. And it's hard to get those guys out. And again, that kind of circles back to the ease of accessibility. It's very easy to come in now as a detailer who offers paint correction because the products are so good. So. Exactly. And, and I, you know, I have this conversation with some friends locally or who are always like, man, you know, there's, there's the guy down the street doing it for 400 bucks. And, and my reply is always like, good. You know, sometimes I think this industry needs the $400 guy, because honestly, I don't want to deal with the $400 client. Right. Gosh, how different is it? I I used to love to get $400 for a car. Now I I, I turn your nose up at that. Listen, listen, listen. I'll take the the $400 client (laughs) for for something that's a $400 service, right? But I'm not going to take the the guy, you know, that wants a ceramic coating and a paint correction for 400 bucks. You know, there's just no way. But those clients usually, even if you can get them to pay your price, when they're expecting to only pay 400 bucks, they're usually going to be the most pain in the ass client because if anything is wrong. Worst right. customers I've ever had that fight you for price. Right. They're the most anal retentive. So um, sometimes I think- They're the ones that don't even ask. Right, so that's why sometimes I think Pardon? like, it's it's good we the have those- customers orders. are the ones that don't even ask how much it is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah we had a lot of those guys. That's awesome. <laughs> see i've had a few of those but then i stress out like uh is he gonna shit the brick when i give him the price and luckily how much you love him yeah they just write the check and say thank you and be on their way there is a certain group of people if if your goal is the very highest end detailing um generally my experience with those guys is they don't, uh, they've made a lot of money by demanding really good work out of their employees right. or whatever, right? So it's it's almost the kind of, you have the reputation, you come recommended, they've done their research, they expect the job to be good and they don't have the time in their life to really sweat on it. You're the yeah. hired expert. And that's honestly where education and experience comes in. You're the curator of that car. You're not the detailer or the coding installer. Um, I remember I used to be very terrified to say no. Hey, I want that scratch out. Yes, sir. You know, you're paying me all this money. And then I learned uh, a valuable lesson, similar in the way that David learned it, uh, burning through. 
where I said, no, there's not enough paint on this car. This is whatever it is. You know, oh, you want me to do your daily driver? We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Right. And you get the confidence and the experience to tell them how to best take care of their car. And that's what they want anyways. And the ones who don't then, or the ones who demand something for free or the ones who want to deal, leave that to the competition down the street. Uh, right. One of a good lesson for detailers is to walk away from a job. It, and it's hard when you're first starting, but if you don't set that precedent early, that can come back and bite you in the butt. Exactly. Um, or, you, you know, you become the guy who pleases everybody. And then when you go to raise prices, you have the one nagging customer who's going to. Right. It's always, believe, e- you know. it's always easier to, to go up than to go down and try to go back up again. Yeah. 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 Start high and keep going higher. Right. So, so, uh, so I'm going to tell all my clients tomorrow that, that because of Dave, they just got increases in all their pricing. <laughs> Just, just give them the bill. Yeah. <laughs> you're in Florida. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. For, right. To, to right. <laughs> Todd, I know you want to tell that story really bad. So, so one time, uh, a band camp at band camp. <laughs> What's in that cup, man? It's uh Arnold Palmer iced tea. All right. Sure. It is Alex. Um, David and I were going to South Florida to detail a customer's cars. If you're a Florida person or a California person, you've heard of the ticket clinic and the ticket clinic, right? I don't remember. I think so. Yeah. I think you were visiting from Michigan. We did a couple cars. We did that Porsche turbo in Orlando at the end of that trip. If I remember, I think that was all the same trip, but maybe it wasn't, but we were driving down to South Florida. Yeah. Cause you, you didn't have a house there for sure. And we get down to Miami and David's like, well, where are we staying? I said, ah, we'll just get a hotel on Expedia or something. And every hotel in South Florida is completely filled. Like, I'm not even joking. Like we, we are calling, right. this is like, even before like Marriott.com even had like, right, a, right. you know, like we were, you had Expedia and phone numbers and Google and we're calling and calling and calling. Everybody's like, no, we're full. We're full. We're full. And so about 11 o'clock at night, we had gotten down to Miami and for those just tuning in, I live in Orlando. It's about three and a half hours north of Miami, give or take. So we, we get down to Miami and we're like, oh man, we don't have a place to stay. So Dave and I call, call, and we can either go up to Stewart, which is about two hours north of Miami, like yeah. where Auto Geek is, or uh, stay at a rest stop. So we make the executive decision to sleep in a rest stop. You know, the two artists, the yeah. two details. <laughs> oh, in Mark's. Um, no, the next day, the next oh. day we slept, we weren't there yet. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so so we get down to uh, the Tia Clinic owner, Mark Gold. We get down to his house, and he had an emergency come up or something. And he was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of town, I'm out of town. Uh, and I was like, Well, Mark, I gotta detail your cars. And he's like, Well, I moved my cars to this warehouse, which was like in a uh, a lower income part of Miami, which was mind blowing. Cause there's like million dollar cars in this right. area where we were scared to go out front. And, and, and so then I go, well, Mark, can I sleep there? And he's like, yeah, just, I, I have a homeless guy that watches the car collection and just tell him, <laughs> just tell him to, uh, you know, to sleep outside. And, and I'm thinking like, this, is this real? Like, but, but of course, David, David and I didn't do that. So we slept at the, the rest stop the night before we get down there. And Mark was a great customer because he insisted we take out his cars and go out at night. Right. And it's like, okay, I got keys to a brand new Ferrari or a GT2 RS or no, I don't think it was a GT2 or something. And what was that Mustang? He had like that 800 horsepower Mustang. Do you remember that stupid <laughs> thing, that saline? Yeah. And, uh, and we're doing burnouts up, up and down the Venetian causeway. Uh, with the owner's permission, of course. Right. But the the night we decided we're going to go out in South Beach, and and Mark had this awesome Ferrari 550 that had straight pipes on it. It sounded like a Formula One, like a V12 nice. Formula One. It was a six speed. It was fully loaded. And uh, you know, he's like, "Yeah, take it out." But Mark, uh, David, and I had been working in this this shop all day, and we we were we were smelling like polishing yeah. powder. Yeah. <laughs> And we're like, man, we got to take a bath before we go out. But we can't get into Mark's house to take a bath because he's out of town. And this this garage doesn't have one. 
So we look in our assortment of car wash soaps and the best smelling one we have is Meguiar's Gold Class, which had like, I don't remember if it was coconut or something, but it had a really tropical <laughs> South Beachy smell. <laughs> and we had Mark's Pool, which was on the ocean, which was one that, what do they call those pools? Are they in, they're like, oh, are they the edge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so David and I lathered up with some Gold Class and, and went swimming in the pool. And uh, that was our, our bath for the day. And the car we were working on was actually the prototype Shelby Cobra. It was a really cool car. Oh, um, wow. It was like a 1961 AC. It was what before the Cobra became a version of the Bristol. Right. No, I'm sorry. After it was the Bristol, became the Cobra. And then AC had built a, a, uh, a more Jaguar E-type looking prototype that David and I detailed. And uh, anyways, pardon? It was like 8 million bucks. Yeah, it was some stupid number. And uh, and I got to watch David drive it on a trailer. Uh, <laughs> I think that was a different trip. But but anyways, we took this this shower or this bath in uh, gold class, man. That was our – and then we took the Ferrari out through South Beach. I think we might have even taken the GT3 out that night too if I – gets a little foggy. But, um, <laughs> well, one of the coolest experiences, you remember, what, what were you driving? I was driving that 63 Fuley Vet. You uh, were driving, what, the 512, the Ferrari the 512? Yeah. And then Mark was driving something and we were hauling ass through downtown Miami. I remember I'm in a 1963 fuel injected Z06 Stingray. I mean, we're talking just a ridiculous car. Right. And um, we're going sideways down the road and, and, and the <laughs> owner of the cars is like cheering for us. And I, I mean, honestly, Mark was that cool of a guy. Right. Right. And uh, I don't remember what he was driving, but we were, we were, we were getting it, man. People, I remember people walking out in their business suits with their eyes wide open. And here comes three classic invaluable cars <laughs> roaring wild. down downtown Miami. That's um, awesome. Those were the moments that made you kind of pinch yourself and go, holy crap, is this, yeah. am I really doing this? Am I, I did donuts in the snow in a Ferrari F40 once and with the owner was driving, I wasn't driving, but yeah. that was another one of those moments uh, where you just think, did I really just do that? You know, I'm, I'm right. glad I got pictures to verify it. Nice. Well, something I want to ask you guys before before we we wrap up because I know we're getting close to the to the time yeah and I know you guys probably can't say a car but I'm curious what is the most expensive car that you guys have worked on either together or I know it together or separate both both let's hear let's hear both. for me it's uh I've I've Early on in my career uh, doing high-end cars, I did a Ferrari 250 GTO. Nice. Um, that would probably, back then was probably worth about $20 million. Now it's probably worth about 65 or 70 million. Um, most expensive car I ever messed up was a Shelby Daytona Cobra Coupe. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember I you told me that story. Yeah, that was, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't burn it. I just put a dent in it. Yeah. Uh, which came out actually quite easily. Um, the most expensive car that David and I did together, I would let David answer that. Because Probably Mark Bolt's six or eight million dollar Cobra prototype. Yeah, would that have been it? I mean, I know we've done some stuff that I don't even understand. It's more about. like three, four million dollar cars. Not we've done a lot of those. Yeah, we've done a lot of those, but yeah, probably that that I, Cobra or yeah, something, something along those. It was a while ago too. Um, the most expensive car I've detailed, I just finished up, was a um, a twenty million dollar. Uh, Porsche GT1. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. We did. And I'm mad at David for that because that GT1 is a bucket list car of mine, and I have and he didn't begged call him. No. <laughs> I had to get done. This, a 300 hour detail. I had to get done really fast. <laughs> this stupid global pandemic happened, yeah. and it ruined my chance because those cars, particularly that model of that car, the with the uh, 996 headlights, is just. Yeah. <laughs> I rubbed my hands over the fender once when nobody was looking, but they sold it to a customer that has three other ones in Sweden. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a, gosh, the GT one is a bucketless car, yeah. but what a terrible, it looked like a terrible car to polish just a round yeah. <laughs> bubble of scoops. You know, yeah, I, so bad when we took it apart. <laughs> ah, that's right. You took yeah. Thing apart. Wow. That's awesome. 
Well, okay, guys. So, I, first of all, thank you for coming on. Um, I think Todd was right beforehand. We, this probably can do another part two or something uh, like that. Three, four. Um, yeah, just just listening to you guys tell stories. Um, if anybody would like to reach out to you guys, um, don't. just just for any information, don't. Call David. <laughs> how do how do they get a hold of you guys, or or what's the best way to, to maybe reach out? Especially, who knows? Maybe somebody's got a crazy car that that they just want to learn. You know, hey, I've got this coming up, and what should I look out for? Kind of deal. Facebook for me. Okay. Yep. David at Fermani. Not yet. <laughs> um, we, we actually travel all over the world to detail cars, though. Todd and I have. We made a trip a few years ago out to California for a really huge project. Um, we go to Florida. I mean, we go wherever, so it nice. doesn't matter. Yeah, he's my ride or die. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, if you can't tell, David is one of my absolute closest and 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 best friends. Yeah. And uh, on the next time you have us back, we'll we'll tell the story how that started and what a little jerk David was. <laughs> but. Um, if anybody has any questions on Rupus products, they can certainly contact me, uh, Todd H at RupusUSA.com. Nice. Uh, you send just, me a Facebook message or IG, I'll probably never respond because I get way too many of those and it's too many points of contact. So right. email is the best way. Just curious, how do I get a hold of Dylan so I can send him a bill for um, all the Rupes time, all the times you dropped Rupes tonight for uh, advertising? Oh, um, that would be Dylan VK <laughs> at RupusUSA.com. No. And I encourage everybody to just message him with the dumbest things. Um, Jason R is another good one. Yeah. At <laughs> the, I, Todd said that, not me, guys. Yeah, um, I know, no. If Jason sees yeah. I'll be in trouble. <laughs> No, listen, I, again, man, I, I thank you guys for coming on. I, it's, it's you know, again, I thought it was a, a good question and, and who, you know, when I was thinking, who do I get on here? It was definitely, you know, Todd. And when Todd's like, hey, I can get David on, I was like, okay, you know, like more the merrier, you know, let's do it. Um, well, so, I, I do want to reiterate, you know, David is one of the best detailers in oh, the world. Porsche <laughs> details. No, this this guy. I, I'm telling you, I learned more detail with David, um, and, and that is, I guess, maybe a good point. Is if you want to be a so-called artist in detailing, or um, all these people that call themselves master detailers, um, learn from others. Yeah. Right. The, the the be be humble enough, right, to to learn from others because I've met a lot of guys with big egos in this industry. And I don't get it, man. Like, I mean, I get it in front of your customers who are trying to sell something, but uh, maybe. But, geez, I, I've learned so much from so many people in this industry. Right. It, it wouldn't even be fair for me not to to give back at this right. point. So. And then this industry really, I mean, there's there's always going to be somebody who's done something you haven't done, right? So how can you be? No, I'm talking about. Yeah. Talking about? <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, but you just said a minute ago you haven't done a GT1, and uh, Dave has. So no, I said I didn't do that GT1. I don't know. <laughs> you said it was a bucket list car that usually that particular GT1, <laughs> Alex. Um, no, you're right. No, of yeah. course. Gosh, yeah. there's so no, many no. guys, man. There's so many guys. You look at a couple times, so that's like almost like a wash yeah <laughs> i did one time i wiped it with speed detailer so like that guy in south florida that you called out so i could claim i detailed yeah, it i wiped uh, a lug nut on it when when david wasn't looking <laughs> nice nice well I, I appreciate it guys um i won't take up too much more of your time i definitely oh, uh, thank you for having us yeah, yeah. man I, I definitely think uh i'll have to reach back out to you guys and maybe we'll do a uh Todd and Dave Adventures story episode or something. I don't know if you could handle it. That one I would have to have a heads up because there's no wine going down uh, the shoot that night. Uh, well, that's listen. That's fine. We could plan it because because again, I think uh, you know my listeners probably don't touch the kind of cars that you guys do. So just to even hear stories about it is is awesome. I know I know the times that I've talked with you, Todd, and you've told me some stories of the cars you've done. I just sit there like. 
crazy yeah yeah Yeah, but you know what maybe we can sign off on this but david do you ever actually this is a question i never asked david so so may i may i take another few minutes go ahead are there any cars you work on david that you're in awe of at this point in your career not early on not you know the first time you worked on a ferrari and saw the prancing horse which i understand but now is there any car you work on that you go holy crap like this is amazing and if there isn't, does that car exist? That's a good question. That's a very simple answer. The next one. Okay. <laughs> Always the next one. Always, Always the, the next, next one. one. I understand. The next one. And, and Dave, I do have to comment. I love your shirt, by the way. I'm a huge Powell Peralta fan. Grew up in the Thank 80s, you. skating Powell Peraltas. Me too. It's an awesome uh, shirt. Early eighties, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and 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 since you guys have all shown off your shirts, I'll show off mine. I am rocking. I'm rocking the Oberk original shirt. Oh, cool! I hope Patterson's paying for that. I'm gonna have a conversation. <laughs> no, Patterson sent me the uh, the new Rip It and Tip It shirt. I just uh, I wore that one the other day, so it's so it's dirty. So I grabbed. Is it one. Rip It and Tip It or Tip It and Rip It? Oh yeah, maybe. Hang on a second. I'm. I'm not it's trying rip, to advertise. I, I had to look at my. I had to look at my sticker. It, it is rip it and tip it. Yeah. Hey. Uh. By the way, Todd hates doing windows. He can't okay. fold towels. His life depended on okay. it. I knew you were going to get to that end section. Oh right? well, no, no, I don't normally listen. It. Hey, listen, listen. I don't normally do that, but if you guys want to do that, great. we can do the this or that questions. If you guys want to take an extra couple of minutes. There is I, so much truth in what he's saying. Keep going, David. Hang on, hang on. Let me put a window for, for the life of him. <laughs> so, so, here, so here's the questions. We'll run through them real quick. Um, okay, so interiors or exteriors? Exteriors. Yeah, Todd can't do an interior. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always the one doing the interior. I'm always the one doing the interior, so yeah. Okay, okay. Now, now I know Todd's going to be a little biased on this one. Roof has <laughs> or flex. <laughs> and not not because of my bias i mean there's legitimate reason i know i know listen so it's a beautiful flex with a purple foam wool hey i i worked for the largest distributor of flex at least at the time and i have nothing bad to say about their products listen they're both great machines it's no it's just, it's, they're not it's preferent just rupus okay well, no no i'm teasing they are okay okay and then what david said it's would you rather clean windows or wash or fold towels? I plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> I want to wash a pad. <laughs> now, now David is ugly and fat and out of shape, <laughs> but I have and bald. But I have never seen a human being fold himself around a. Uh, uh, a roll cage that's factory installed in a Porsche race car and clean a rear window like him. Uh, yeah. That probably is his single greatest talent on this planet. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and so would I be a true artist if I was to rob him of that experience? <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. All right. Sun, sun shots or lighted shop shots? Sun shots oh. from every angle, man. Come yes. On. There you go. Showing the of them. listening of the sunbeam and no yeah. clouds no overcast it's got yeah. a full florida sun yeah, yeah. full sun and a hundred shots from this on the same piece from every angle so then david Bynon can get on and, and claim that you're faking it i mean that's <laughs> those who know know that's nope. a whole episode in itself i nope. used to be more concerned about getting good sun shots for right. the forms than i did about my customers ever seeing a hologram yeah. Um, but those cars that we were turning out back then were literally flawless because I was scared of detailers. <laughs> That's how I am too. Um, mobile or shop? I mean, I was mobile, but after working with David, shop. There's okay. You can do it anyway. It doesn't matter. But we, but there you go. Yeah. Right, right. We've done some ridiculous stuff in somebody I mean, else's house. Yeah, I was going to say, technically, you guys are, are both, right? Because you, you go yeah. mobile, but you work in a shop. We, so to speak sure yeah. but i think shop is if you're doing the the highest end work is probably yeah. the most comfortable environment right yeah, with a whole, yeah. uh, left twix or right twix i'm gonna left go twix. right Todd's gonna go left yeah okay all right so that gets so good so when you guys split one you know each each you get one then 
Um, I'm a lefty, man. <laughs> wax or ceramic? Neither. Zeno. <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> I have to maintain some product ambiguity. 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 Amb- blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 That fancy word. Ambiguous. Yeah. Amb- yeah. And I, I won't worry about the last question because I don't know that you guys care about the last one. But Do just, it. Okay. Do it. Okay. Are you Team Alex or are you Team Noxie? And you kind of have to know the back and forth that me and Aaron Knox have to kind of get that, but it's all love. I don't know Knox very well at all, other than he's quite a character. He's hilarious. He's a good Um, But obviously, you're the man. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, look. Sure. Suck on it, Knox. That's all I got to say. (laughs) I love you both. No, listen. Uh, thanks, thanks, guys. This this has been fun. Um, Very cool, Dave. I, I'm definitely gonna reach out to you. Um, I've had a couple issues with some Porsches lately, so I'm gonna try and uh, pick your brain. Yeah, I saw that three RS that you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thumbs what was up, it? Uh, thumbs, up thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs down. Yeah. 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 I mean, look great. It's all right, it's yeah, all right. gentlemen. I I do have to run. Yes, sir. I'll talk um, with you later, Todd. I appreciate Dave, it. Dave, love you, man. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. And Alex, thank you so much. Thank you. For real, for having us on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And, and Dave, I'll, I'll shoot you a message tomorrow or something yeah, like whenever, that. Yeah, whenever, man. I'm here for you. Cool, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate thank it. Everybody right. have a nice night. She gone. Thank you, guys. <laughs> later. Bye.